Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Exhort you, we once again want to appreciate you for your goodwill in calling us to yourself and instructing us in the way that we should go by your spirit and your word. Scripture says your word is life and spirit and we believe Lord that even as we receive this tonight there will be transformation in our understanding that will produce the required results and the fruits you so desired in listening and hearing you in Jesus name. Amen. Okay, we're going to continue with our study on our adoption and this is part number three on this series on our adoption and I want you again to pay very close attention to what we're about to say and besides you try as much as possible to apply these things to heart as you meditate upon them the reality of what God is doing or has done in bringing us to himself and how God intends us to mature in this calling that he has given to us. Praise the Lord. So again, our text is Romans 8.15. And here again the scripture says, For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And that's what we're considering. We've not received the spirit of fear. I try to explain to us that when the scripture talks about you not having the spirit of fear, it's directly connected to the fact that slaves are always intimidated, even at the presence of their master. And uh, this is also directly connected to what happened on Mount Sinai when the glory came down, the power of God came down, lightning and Whatever the case may be, the Bible says the children of Israel were so much afraid that even Moses himself trembled. And so the children of Israel had to personally speak to God that they would not want to hear him. Let Moses hear God and talk to them. So they separated themselves from the position of that relationship of father and son. Amen. So now somebody have to interpret to them or tell them what God wants from them. And that's the greatest problem I think we still have today within the body of Christ. Um, so many of us have not really come to the place where we can hear God for ourselves. We try most often to depend on what either the preacher says or the television is telling us or something like that. There's no personal relationship. So when you actually live your life in that dimension, you are not different from what the children of Israel were. And if the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, then for me, it was not going to be possible for the children of Israel to get into the promised land because they never had any direct information from God. They do not have faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, they were only trusting in what Moses says. But guess what? By the time when Moses got married to this Ethiopian lady, all of them got angry. How can Moses do that? Remember, even Miriam was angry. Remember that? Go right in that instant, you see, the elders of Israel, some of them came together and said, let us send people to go spy on the land. 
Why did you think they said that? Because now they lose faith in Moses. They will no longer trust in Moses to be the one to lead them to the promised land. Because for them, Moses has committed sin. He has married an Ethiopian. So now, the voice that they were hearing, which was the voice of God through Moses, was now into the place of doubt. They were not doubting Moses if he's actually the one hearing from God. To them, how can he be hearing from God and yet go and marry an Ethiopian woman? <laughs> Are you getting what I'm talking about? That's why they now said, okay, we, we, if we must go to the promised land, if we must enter Canaan, let's send people to spy it out because we no longer trust Moses. You see that? So, how are they going to enter the promised land? Because they have no faith anymore. They don't have faith because they can't hear directly from God. They don't have faith now in Moses because today Moses has seen and he has married an Ethiopian woman. This is the reason why they say, let's go spy out the land. <laughs> are you following what I'm saying now? So, for me, they don't really have the kind of faith that would take them to the promised land because they were not hearing God, learning from God directly. And you see, the primary thing God wanted every one of them, as a matter of fact, he wanted to establish a prophetic community where everybody can hear God for him or herself. That was the primary thing God was doing on that particular day. But they said, no, we don't want to hear you. You just talk to Moses, let Moses talk to us. Now, they went out following Moses, believing Moses, but what's the end thing? Because of what Moses did, they lose faith again in Moses. Now, tell me where they were going to have the faith from. When the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Where is their faith coming from? They, don't, they can't hear from God. They don't trust Moses. So, no faith. Are you with me? Yeah. So, the primary thing I'm trying to say, now in that condition, they were like slaves. Because slaves can't approach their master as a father. Like I told us last week, it was a law, I mean as it were, slaves can't call their master's father. No, only sons can. So when the Bible is saying we don't have the spirit of bondage anymore, to fear, in other words, we are not slaves anymore. We can approach God, we can talk to God, and God can talk to us as father and son. The key point is, is this a relationship? And you have to understand that what we really lost through Adam was relationship. Is that okay? Right. It was relationship. And God was trying to establish that. We're going to find some of those things as we move on. So again, as, like I said, um, the word here is weotasia. Um, I'm talking about the issue of adoption. The word adoption in this particular uh, scripture is weotasia, which means the placing of sons. Is that okay? The placing as a son. The placing as a son. That's the primary definition of the word weotasia. Praise the Lord. All right, so like I was playing last week now, so let's move on to something very important. Um, Romans chapter 9, verse number 3 and 4. Romans 9, verse number 3 and 4. Praise the Lord. 3 and 4. For I could wish that myself were a cause from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Paul is writing. Verse 4, who are Israelites to whom pertained the adoption, listen to that, and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises. But the quick point is, to whom pertained the adoption. So the question now is, 
is is i mean this scripture trying to say does it mean that israel was adopted because they were illegitimate good hallelujah was israel adopted because you see like i keep saying our understanding of adoption is like you take an illegitimate child or you take a child from an orphanage home and who belong to somebody else and make the person your child that's our understanding of adoption and like i told us the first very beginning in relation to when we're giving the definition god cannot adopt his own child in a natural way of adoption and we have always been god's children and i'm sure last week we discovered that as well uh if you look at the book of hebrews chapter one reading all through you'll be able to see what the bible says no angel has ever addressed as a son is that okay good and job said where were you when i laid the foundation of the earth when the sons of god so it was not talking about angels we're talking about the sons of god and that's why i asked a question some time ago if you think that is not true that we were all there in the spirit with god because the word alone means a family is that okay if we were not there how did moses get to know when the creation took place because he wrote the book of genesis and he was not there if you think he was not there how did he write that he said by the holy spirit it's very simple the holy spirit is the connecting link between us and god we've always been there and just like jeremiah we say god we said jeremiah 1 up to 5 before i formed thee in your mother's womb before i formed thee he must have been with god before he brought him out is that okay good so that even tells you that conception is not what the father really does it's what god does hallelujah so the whole thing is god lowering the spirit being into an earthly nation right that is the new bed i mean that's the bed you 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 just came from the spirit realm into a natural situation and most of you lost consciousness of who you were before you came here so your new bed is actually a remembering or reminding you who you used to be before you came here all right so here we find that the bible says uh back again to that romans um, 9 verse number 4 i'll say it again uh who are israelite to whom pertinent world day adoption so my question is if adoption is you bringing somebody who doesn't belong to you into the family was israeli legitimate then that's why god adopted them who was your father if that's the case who gave birth to them so let's look at some scriptures and you see what i mean Israel were all taken now as it went into the family of God, right? And we call his sons her firstborn. Look at the Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. Exodus chapter 4, verse number 22, so that you can understand what I'm saying. Praise God. Now, God was speaking to Pharaoh, I mean to Moses, to go tell Pharaoh. Pharaoh was now going to say all of this thing to, I mean, Moses was going to say all of this thing to Pharaoh now. And he said, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. 
And if therefore, I mean, if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. So, but the key point there is, verse 22. Thou shalt say, I mean, thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus said the Lord, Israel is what? My son, even my firstborn. So now, if God is saying the adoption of Israel, you know, pertaining to adoption, was he going to adopt his own son? Amen. So what does it mean then for Israel to be adopted? But the primary thing you, you have to understand is Israel was what? His firstborn. When you talk about the firstborn here, what he was simply trying to say was, of all the nations of the earth, I've chosen you. To be the first people to understand my laws and rules. Is that okay? And I just simply give you the simple definition of what we're dealing with. If God picks you out of the world, you're already his son. The adoption is when make a public declaration. But that implication is like advertising you for what you don't qualify for. Are you there with me? Good. So Israel was my firstborn, firstborn from among the nations. That's what he's trying to say. There were everybody on the earth, several other nations of the earth. God decided to choose Israel unto himself. And he called Israel my first son. My firstborn. Praise the Lord. So, again, if Israel is his firstborn, then we must understand that God was not going to adopt Israel as if Israel was a legitimate child. No. So what was going to be the adoption? I'll show you. But before then, let's go down to Deuteronomy 7, verse number 5. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse number 5. But thou shalt ask thee with them. Now, he's talking about when you get into Canaan, do this to the nations around you. As the people that have picked as my first son. In terms of your relationship now. With the rest of the nations around you. Are you with me? But thou shall you deal with them. You shall destroy their altars. And break down their images. And call down their grooves. And bore their graven images with fire. For thou art what? A holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God have chosen thee. To be a special people unto him above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Simple. And look at verse 7, very important. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor chose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. That is to say, they never had any specific qualification why he chose them. Is that okay? It was simply a choice that he made. Praise the living God. I want you to capture this because this is very, very important for us to pick. Remember Exodus 4 says, Israel is my firstborn. Pharaoh let them go so that Israel can worship me as my firstborn. Now he's talking to Israel. You better listen to me. 
I chose you not because you were more in number from among the people that are faint on the face of the earth. I just decided to make a choice of you to show forth my glory. So the choice that God made of Israel is what's leading to the adoption. That's why you now read to who partner the adoption, the covenant, the glory. Hallelujah. Are you seeing it now? Praise the Lord. You following it? Good. So, and I want you to begin to see this in relation to your salvation. Because you see, we getting out of the world as in well, it's like Israel getting out of Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world. So when you leave Egypt, it means you left the world. Now here he's telling them, let's go back and see uh, the verse number 6. I mean verse, verse 5 again. Let's read through again. Verse 5. But thou shalt you deal with them. You shall destroy the altars. Oh, help me now. Destroy the altar, you shall destroy the altars and break down their images and call them their grooves and burn their graving images with fire. You know what he's trying to say there? For us, it's simple. You can't rule your life by what men rule their life with. Images are simply concepts and imaginations, thought patterns. You can't rule your life with the pattern of the people of the world who have not come into God. Destroy their images. Why? He is saying because you are a holy people unto me. In other words, don't forget this. To be holy unto God is not necessarily because of, you know, something you want to describe. No, no, no. What it means is anything God picks to himself is holy unto him. So the choice God made of the children of Israel makes them holy unto him. That's why you say the next verse, verse number 6. Be, that being the case, you can't imagine yourself flirting with the thought pattern of the world. Their images must destroy. The concepts they have, even the way they think about God, must not be the way you think about God. Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. He said, because thou art a holy people unto me, verse number 6, unto the Lord thy God, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And this is so unique. Hallelujah. In other words, I chose you, I'm going to give you instruction, I'm going to give you laws that you will use to guide yourself completely different from the rest of the people of humanity. The church also built to be a house or a body, ecclesia as we call it, where God's mind is to be revealed to the rest of mankind. It's a, it's a family within families. It's a nation among nations. That's the way it is. Israel was a nation in the midst of other nations. The church is a nation among other nations. That's why I call you a holy nation, a royal priesthood. So, your, your thought pattern, your attitude, your concept is not supposed to be dictated by the things around you. That is like picking their images. Praise the Lord. But I'm not too sure if the church really have anything that it shows the world. You know, outside of copying that which is in the world, I'm not too sure the church has anything to show the world. 
to reveal to the world, to introduce to the world, to set at a standard. I'm just talking about what is going on right now. Hallelujah. So the laws that God gave to Israel were meant to reveal the nature of God. What's it called? The holy God. The laws were holy. Romans 7 says that. The laws were holy. And Paul said, but I'm born unto sin. Remember that? Good. Why are they holy? Because they are actually explaining or revealing the nature of God. That's what it means. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? All right. So, friends, get the point. Exodus chapter 4 tells us Israel was what? The firstborn. And then Deuteronomy chapter 7 is telling us here that I chose you, I picked you from among the rest of the nations, not because you were more in number. It's not because of what I want to do. So, you see, even in your family, God will have a special law for you to pick you from the rest of your people so that he can reveal something through you in the midst of that family. And when that happens, it gives you instruction. Those instructions you walk with in obedience will be the thing that exposes you and the rest of your family begin to turn around to see that there is God with this man. That becomes an adoption. Within your family, God has adopted you. To reveal his nature to the rest of your brethren. So that they will finally turn around to say, God is with this man. Are you with me? Alright. And if that must happen, don't forget, this applies. Don't follow their ways. Don't, you got what I'm talking about, right? Break down their images, whatever the case may be. Their mindset, their concept, the way they live their life must not be the way you live your life. These are some of the things that stagnate us from coming to the place of maturity in terms of adoption. Because you see, the world is always there to pull you back. They have things to show you. Remember what the tree of life was. Make one wise, pleasant to taste and you know, pleasant to the eyes. So, the world is always giving you things that distract you from focusing on God. It is as you focus on God, you come to the place of maturity and God can personally come to that place and say, yes, of a truth, this is my beloved son in whom I were pleased. That means there's a dimension of life you begin to live. At a certain level, the more you concentrate on God, and that is your adoption. You'll be revealed to the rest of the people. Amen? You see, you see the life of John the Baptist? The Bible said he was in the wilderness until what? He's showing forth. The word came to him in the wilderness. And when he was coming out of the wilderness, the whole of Israel recognized that he was a prophet of God. That's an adoption. Are you still with me? Praise the Lord. Go with me to Jeremiah 31 verse number 8. Jeremiah 31 verse number 8. Hallelujah. Behold, I will bring them from the north. Talking about Israel. North country. 
and gather them from the coast of the earth and with them the blind and the lame the woman with children woman with child and had a traveler with child together a great company shall return thither they shall come with weeping and with supplication will i leave them this will be not necessarily tears but the tears of joy i will cause them to walk by the rivers of waters in a straight way wherein they shall not stumble for i am a father to israel and ephraim is my firstborn i'm a father to israel you know where ephraim came from you remember in egypt glowed he's just putting the two together israel or jacob ephraim came out of joseph you remember that good now israel i'm a father to israel and ephraim is my firstborn i brought him out of egypt he's just saying the same thing but now see what happens see what happens about the verse 8 I'll bring them from the north country, gathering them out now. I'll gather them from the coast of the earth, and with them the blind and the lame, and the women with child, and with her the traveler with child, together a great company shall return thither. They shall come with weeping, and with supplication will I lead them. I will cause them to walk by the rivers of water in a straight way. I want you to see the kind of advantages that comes to the people that God called his sons. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. You see, the more I study this, the more I begin to see the reason why Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. And then he goes on to begin to talk about the kingdom and say, seek it for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added. Sons have all things because it's the Father that owns all things. The earth and the fullness thereof belongs to God. Hallelujah. Are you there with me? Good. So, this is what he said he would do for them. And this is what he said he's going to do. And as he's doing this, he called them what? His firstborn. And what is his relationship? That's why I keep saying the only thing that adoption really brings forth is the relationship of a father and a son. Amen. Okay. Look at Exodus 19 now. I'll show you the adoption. Remember what we read there. To win partner, the adoption, the covenant, the glory, all of those things. Is that okay? Right. So what's the adoption? He brought them forth. What's the covenant? The law. Exodus 19, verse number 8. And this is what it says. You have seen what I did unto Egyptians... And I bear you on eagle's wings, I brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if you obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is world is mine. Hallelujah. You shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. This is not an indication of any particular favor. But what it means to say is, all of the things that are inclusive in that which is happiness, 
you receive them because you are unique to me as a people. I'm entering to this covenant with you of father and son so that you can be the one that benefit from that relationship of father and son. Amen? Because you're going to be to me a people. A peculiar treasure. Hallelujah. You know what it means if you treasure something? You see, it is not as if they are a treasure unto God such that God is now benefiting like you buy gold because you have money. So gold and wristwatches, whatever, are your treasures. That is not what he's trying to say. They were not in any way going to be a treasure unto God. They are peculiar to him because of the value he had for them as sons. Praise the living God. So, it's not saying that they make God rich. That is not utterly the sense as one who possesses treasure. But rather, God was pleased to value and esteem them as a man would do of his treasure. They were precious in his sight. He took them under his special care and protection as a treasure that is kept under lock and key. Mm-hmm. He distinguished them from and dignified them above all people as the people devoted to him and to his service. That's what it means. You've been a treasure to me. It's like saying, the kind of value you have, help me Lord, the kind of value you have for your products, the things you purchase, for instance, I go back again, you got the gold wristwatch, gold earrings, gold this, gold this. You know what it means? What do you do? You have to put them in a special box. Am I correct? Sometimes it has to be somewhere you have some keys to. You lock it. Because what? They are special treasures. So Israel being special treasure is trying to play value on them. And that's who you are. A peculiar people. How many of you remember that? Peter said that. You are a peculiar people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. That is to say you are a treasure unto God. Why? Because he has picked you from the world and adopted you as his own child. That's how much value God has for you. For being his son. The one that's adopted. So, a Mount Sinai was the adoption. But he made the laws known. You know, the Bible says, no nation had law like you do. The kind of laws Israel had, all that nation have them. And God is saying, you are unique to me. That's why I'm giving you these laws that I'll never give to other nations. That's why it's peculiar to me. So, the value of your life before God is so much because of the Father. He has picked you to himself, adopted you, become a father to you. You are very unique to him. And this this, this, way, this way I keep thinking. If we truly understand this, let me bring it in natural. Why do you lock up your gold and all of those things? Because you don't want them to be stolen. You don't want anybody to come to vandalize your treasure properties. Am I correct, somebody? So why do you think God is going to allow one devil to mess you up? This, this is where we don't think. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? Why do you think so? <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
You see, there's so much value that God has for you. And you have to come to that place of realizing how precious you are in the hands of God. If you don't value yourself the way God values you, you abuse your calling even as a believer. You don't understand the value that's an adoption. Praise the Lord. Are you listening to me? You know, we come here, we play, we do all manner of things. Yesterday we have the, I mean, a wonderful experience in this place. Because we don't understand the value. But you see, one of the places where the devil, I mean, where you are first known is in the spirit realm. Why do you think the son of Skevers have to ask the, the devil asks them the question Jesus I know Paul I know who are you that means in the realm of spirit they don't recognize them it wasn't Christ that asked the question it was a devil in the man that asked the question so the devil knows you more than you know yourself why do you think the devil have to speak to Jesus thou son of man have you come to destroy us when it is not yet time? Who was talking? They knew him to be the son of God. They knew that they have a time to be destroyed. Are you still following me? We don't understand the value that God has given to his ecclesia, his body. We don't understand the investment God has made in his church. We don't know it. So even when we come to fellowship, we don't understand the implication of what we're doing. We don't even know we're coming to meet with He who has so much invested so much in our lives and there's so much value in our lives. And it's right we are present with us. This young boys, two of them were here yesterday. I was praying with somebody upstairs. I walked down here. I find four men, another woman, about five or six standing here in front of this place of this pulpit here was another woman sitting down here with hand on her chin all completely strangers i come down say who are you looking for they say good afternoon sir good afternoon sir so what is going on the one sitting down here is mad i'll be running over the place we pursuing her they can't catch her and somebody finally told them she come here the door was open she walked down here sat down on this altar and the people stood there, they don't know what to do until I came down. I just looked at her. I laughed. I started talking with her. I just started praying with her. In about five minutes' time, she wanted to run out of this place. I said, Sit down. In fact, I told her, Kneel down. And then she knelt down. And by the time I finished addressing her, I said, Get up, follow your husband, and go back home. She stood up here, walked out took her slippers that she left outside and when she was coming in she dropped her slippers outside a madman madwoman she knew where she was going to this how, like pastor gospel would say how did she know to branch into this place and by the time she got here she never sat anywhere she came right here to sit down and she wasn't moved when the people gathered there talking, trying to do what they are doing, she just kept quiet. We were just looking at them until I came. But she left here healed, completely healed. Walk with the husband back home. You don't understand. That's why you see, sometimes when you come in here, 
get this fact, you're coming before the presence of God. He talks about where he plays his name. Hallelujah. You see, we become so charismatic that we don't have value. <laughs> you understand that? When we go to the, to the place of fortune, we don't have value for it. But mad people know. That was the experience we had yesterday. Praise the living God. Are you listening to me? She walked out of this place completely healed, following the... They were trying to answer, don't, don't hold me. I am fine. Let's go. Go back home. And there's somebody who was pushing all over the place. We even spent 30 minutes before she left here. For me, sitting here alone was enough. Why didn't she sit anywhere else? Hallelujah. So, this is why I say you are peculiar people. You are a peculiar treasure unto me. I have so much value in your life. And you must come to recognize that as a believer. Hallelujah. So, he distinguished them from other people. And he made them above other people. As a peculiar, fully devoted to him and to his service. See, my burden is that every one of you should recognize your rights in God. Amen? Just try to recognize your right in God. One of our brothers walked to the office this afternoon. And was saying that he's from the doctor. He can't smell. The mouth is bitter. He have heat going through his back. Finish all his stories. So what's the next thing? He said the man said he should get ready for more money to come for the treatment and so on. I said let's pray. I just spoke two words. She went on the. He went on the floor. I was there for a while. I saw him going around and all of those things. By the time he got up, I said, what was happening? He said the heat got intensified. And after a while, the whole thing just went down. Then I brought a perfume from my wardrobe. I mean, from, from the locker. I sprayed it. Can you perceive it? He said, yes, I can perceive it. <laughs> he couldn't smell anything. But instantly, he could perfume. I mean, I first brought one, one ordinary thing you, you rubbed. Just rub on. I just rub it in my palm and I do this. He said, yes, I can smell it. Then I brought the perfume and I sprayed it. He said, yeah, I can, I can smell it. What about your mouth? He said, the whole thing is coming down. I mean, everybody can do it. That's what I'm trying to make you understand. You must first understand it. This thing is given to me. As many as believe, he gave power to become what? The sons of God. That is who God has called you to be. That's why you are peculiar to him. All this thing I'm saying is not because I'm a pastor. No. I just know it. That this is my right. As far as I'm a child of God. God has given all of this to me. I walk with that consciousness. That's why I don't sweat. I don't struggle. If I have to pray. If I pray it doesn't work. Go and get your medications. I have no problem with that. Praise the living God. Are you listening to me? You know, sometimes people will tell you, well, your faith is not strong enough. That's why you don't get your healing. How was that woman sitting down here going to have any faith? 
Huh? You know, talk to me. How will a mad person be exercising faith? What kind of faith does the person have? It's not about the person's faith. It's either God wants to heal or he doesn't want to heal at that moment. You have no problem about that. I pray for you, don't get your healing fine. I'm not going to struggle with anything about that. Praise the Lord. Jesus was walking away and saw the woman carried, people carried, remember in the Bible, a cross going to the cemetery. He just said, stop and touch the person came up. Where is the faith of the person? person was dead. Where is the faith? What about Lazarus? Even his own brother. Someone will tell you where it has to do with the faith of your relation. But the relations of, of John disbelieve that, I mean uh, Lazarus, that he will not rise until resurrection day. So they didn't have faith. So it's not about the relations of people. It's not even, even about the person. It's about what God wants to do part time. You remember the story? And the brother said, we know he will rise on resurrection. That means they don't believe. So where was the faith? The relation didn't have. Lazarus never had one because he's dead. But comfort Lazarus and that was all. And he walked out. That is sonship. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm talking about? Praise the living God. Now, go with me to John 15. Because he said, oh, but Pastor, this is talking about Israel. Go to John 15. And verse number 16. Hallelujah. John 15, 16. You have not chosen me. He's talking to the disciples. If you go down to 17, I mean 16, 17, that's chapter 15, 16, 17, was one single discourse. Is that okay? Right. Here he said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit shall remain that once saved you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it unto you. Simple. I chose you. You never chose me. And I ordain it that you bring forth fruit. That means in your prayer, you have to be result. Whatever thing you do, why? He chose you. You are not the one that chose him. Just like he chose Israel. What was the qualification for Israel? None. Said, were the fewest among people that are upon the face of the earth. But I chose you. And I called you my son. Jesus said, listen, you never chose me. I chose you. So it's not about your choice. It's about his choice. And he doesn't only choose you. He also ordained you. Oh my God now. (laughs) Praise the Lord. That you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name. He will give it to you. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Sure you are. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. So these are the privileges you have of being an adopted child of God. It's what I'm showing you. So you don't play with what I'm teaching you now. It will release divine and spiritual potentials that are in your life because you are peculiar to God. You are unique to God. Praise the living God. You don't see that in one place always looking for people to you know, do all things for you. <sighs> Come on. You, you, you can't pray. You say, listen to me. The key point is having a relationship. 
What is your relationship like? Because you see, if you have a right relationship, then you speak words and becomes prayer. Like what we did here yesterday. It was not a struggle. There was no struggle. Relationship. That's the key thing. Amen. If you have the right relationship, look at what Jesus will say. Father, I know. For the sake. I know you answer me always, but for the sake of these people. He has to speak out because of the sake of the people. Hallelujah. So, the choice that God made for Israel didn't end there. And Jesus said, I chose you. You are his disciple today. Okay, maybe you won't, you won't take that. Let's just go there a little bit. Go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 17. I wish this can stay your spirit. I wish you can, you can begin to rediscover yourself. As to your... You haven't been in the faith. God has called you to himself and adopted you. I wish you can truly rediscover yourself. Second Corinthians 6 verse 17. Wherefore come out from among them. Just like they came out of Egypt. You come out of the world. And be ye separate. Say the Lord. And touch not your clean thing. And I will receive you. And I will be what? A father unto you and it shall be my sons and daughters says the lord almighty what did he say will be he will be a father remember we have received the spirit where we cry what abba father <laughs> hallelujah i will be to you a father actually means I will be to you in relation of father and shall be to me in relation of sons and daughters. This is relationship. That's what he's talking about. Once you accept to forsake those things, once you accept to separate, come out from your ways of thinking and attitude, I will receive you and I will be in relationship to you as father. And you're going to be in relationship with me as well sons. This is not talking about Old Testament now. This is New Testament. Hallelujah. It is different from, let me, let me show you something. Completely different now. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. 6, 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16. 16 I said And what agreement had the temple of God with Titus For you are the temple of the living God As God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them And I will be to them I will be their God and they shall be to me one A people But in 2 Corinthians We just read This is far by far stronger Than Verse 16 I will be to them as God. But when you get down to verse 17, 
He said, I will be to them as a father and they shall be to me as a son. This is, verse 17 is stronger than verse 16. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. Verse 16 is like, I'll just be God to them. Just God. But when you get to verse 17, relationship. How many of you understand that even in the book of Acts, you find people who were who said the Bible said they erected an altar? seventeen. They erected an altar to the unknown God. So God, God being to you as God doesn't really mean you have a relationship with Him. It could still be an unknown God to you because you don't have any personal relationship. Those in Acts, Acts seventeen, that erected that altar to unknown God, they believe that there's a God somewhere. And they want to worship the God, but they don't even know this God. Hallelujah. So in the same way, you could be in church, you worshiping God, but it could be an unknown God to you. The only way the God that is up there becomes real to you is when you become a father to you. And so when Jesus was praying, when you pray, say, our father. He didn't say, God. Say, our father. Are you listening to me? That's a personal relationship. He wanted them to know in a unique way. Having been chosen, God that is universally called God is now your father. That's to say you have a personal relationship with him, you can communicate with him. So Paul is saying, we receive the spirit whereby we cry what? Abba, Father. We are not just talking about God that is up there in heaven. We are talking about the Father who gave back to us. We have a personal relationship with Him. Hallelujah. So you, you sometimes try to find out, do you really have this personal relationship with God? <laughs> Does He ever talk to you? He shall be to me as sons and daughters, say, Lord God Almighty. God made the same promise to Solomon in 1 Chronicles 20, 28 verse 6. But here he's applying it to every believer. As the promise made particularly to Joshua also applied to them in Hebrews 13 verse 5. You can find that as well. Praise the Lord. So here we can express the words who we can conceive the dignity of the divine adoption that we have received. In the presence of God as sons and daughters. Hallelujah. And so this truth we are sharing belongs to every believer who have faith in who? In Christ. This is what the gospel is really come to reveal to us. Our relationship to God. As Father. I don't mean somebody up there. I mean the one you are with in the same house. Amen? With this we have access to the Almighty. You can think about that. Such a free and a welcome access. What men call the Almighty God. He gave us access to Him as what? As Father and Son. You know, when you, when you see the picture of the almighty God, it comes with fear. 
Is that okay? But when you come to the place of God as your father, that fear is removed. You have a personal relationship. You have access to talk to him. So the mindset of the, the almighty God, even though he is the almighty God, but he decided to come down to become your father. So now you're having a personal relationship with the almighty God. But now, the almighty father, if I may use the word. That which is almighty in the concept of the natural man is a father to you as the one that has been adopted into the household of faith. Our glory. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I mean? Praise the Lord. Now we are children. Loved. And we so love our father too. <laughs> Praise the living God. So in this situation, we don't run away from our father. Children run away from their father. Adam tried to run because he ate. But now we are eating something different. Oh, glory to God. Not to make us run, but we will make us run to him. Glory to God. That's the difference. You see what I'm talking about here? And so everything Adam lost, we were meant to have back. Praise the living God. So we go to him to obtain a supply of all that is supposed to be our wants. Huh? Praise the living God. And David, we talk about when I was young, now I'm old. I've not seen the children of the righteous begging bread. Understand that. And God is a righteous God. Meaning, you are not supposed to be begging bread. I wish I could get an amen to that. <laughs> so, since I'm young and I'm old, I've never seen it anywhere. And the children of the righteous, this is the children of the rich man, children of the righteous, begging bread. And God is a righteous man. <laughs> so, for being a child in the household of faith, you are not in by enemies. Nothing should make you beg bread. Unless you're saying God is not a righteous father. <laughs> and Jesus said, If you who are evil know how to do good things to your children, how much more God? Did he say so? Glory to God. Hallelujah. So you must come to this place where you begin to realize how much God has not just only invested in you, but how much interest he has in you. To make provisions for you as a father. That's the benefit of our adoption. Are you there with me? Glory to God. And ye shall be sons and daughters. Ye shall all be of the household of God and the family of heaven. You shall be by holy, I mean, be holy, happy, and continually safe. You have to understand that. We read before the book of Jeremiah. Remember that? We say, I'm going to bring them all over the place and I'll be to them. They are going to pass through waters. And you understand it? Glory to God. Safety is yours. It's yours. You have to understand it. Uh, you see, sometimes I'm not underrating COVID 19. I'm not. I agree, it's pandemic, it's all over the place. But safety belongs to the children of God. I just have that conviction. 
Hallelujah. We have to come to that understanding. Somebody says, what about the Christians that are dying? Well, you just said that. I don't know. But what I know is that God has a safe place for all his children. That is my own belief. That's my conviction. I don't know of the other man. <laughs> Hallelujah. So this thing is talking about the, the Lord God Almighty, the governor of all things. That's what he said. You'll be my children, I, shall, I mean, your father unto you, thus here the Lord God Almighty. Remember that? What it means is, I rule the universe. Now I've taken you as my son. You see, don't forget what I used to say. It's what you believe that you get. God cannot help you beyond your belief. Is that okay? God can't help you beyond your belief. No way. <laughs> oh my, praise the living God. See, earthly fathers, however loving and affectionate they might be, could fail most time to provide for their children. Because everything is not at their disposal. They may frequently lack both the power and the means, though the will may be present with them, but the Lord who made and governed all things can never lack, nor lack the willpower. Now, let me explain what I mean. You can literally see father want to do some things for their children, but they may not have the ability. They may not have the power. But they want those things for their children. So the best they can do, oh God, help me for the sake of my child, because of what they want to do. But that is not the same with our father God. He has not only the willpower, he also has what it takes to do what he wants to do for you. Anything he wants to do for you, he can do it. He has the power, he has everything at his disposal. Unlike your natural father. Praise the Lord. Are you still here with me? <laughs> so the promise is shown to the children and the children are those who take the almighty God for their God as their father. For the promise belongs to no soul that is not separate from the sinful ways, works, and men who touch the unclean thing, according to 2 Corinthians, remember that, who do what God forbids and hold communion with unrighteousness can never stand in the enduring relationship of that of God and Father. He said, be ye separate, come unto me, destroy the idols. Remember that? Praise the living God. Also, I want you to catch this because it's so powerful that you understand where we are in relation to our God by way of adoption. So let me give you the benefit and then we'll close for tonight. Isaiah 41, 43 verse number 1. Isaiah 43 verse number 1. But now thus hear the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. You know what it means to create? You know what it means to form? In Genesis chapter 1, let us form man. Or let's create man in our image and likeness. Genesis chapter 2, God form out the dust of the earth. So create unto form. You have to understand that. Ephesians 2 tells us we are being created in Christ. 
Are you there with me? So to create is to infuse another spirit which is very life of God. I may have time to talk about it. The truth is this. We do not have imputed righteousness. What we have is impacted righteousness. According to Galatians, he has impacted his life in us. It's not imputed. Anything imputed is outside of you. It's like something written on a record. Is that okay? Maybe you're forgiven. And the record is there, you're forgiven. Okay, we no longer go to jail. You know, it's on record. But it's not part of you. But when you talk of impacted, oh, come on. That's the person is bringing his whole life into your life. You are becoming one with him. What we have is impacted righteousness on the future righteousness. Do you understand this? Maybe I'll share that with you. So here he's saying, He created Jacob and then he that formed thee, O Israel. Fear not, you listen to this, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for the ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. Seeing thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and have loved thee therefore. I give men for thee, and people for their life. Fear not, for I am with thee. Can I hear an amen? I will bring thy sea from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my son from afar and from my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for what? For my glory. I have formed him, I have what? Made him. For what? For my glory. Let's make mine an image of likeness. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? No matter what you're passing through, I'm saying because God said, I'm your father. Walk through the rivers, I am there. The water will not swallow you. There is no problem that is going to swallow you. No problem. That is the heritage of the adopted sons of God. No problem. No matter how bad it is, I am telling you tonight, no problem can over swallow you. Go through this place again for yourself. Take it up. In the place of Jacob, put your name, put your son's name. Read it to yourself as a prophecy. Whether you walk through the waters, I am with you. You walk through the fire, it shall not burn you. Nothing shall evil, just like the three Hebrew children into the fire. How many of you remember that? God have no change. Are you listening to me? No matter what you pass through, I'm saying there's protection. Nothing is going to overwhelm you. Nothing is going to swallow. No, no, no. No problem is going to swallow you up. I'm saying the joy of the Lord is still going to be your strength. He didn't call you to embarrass you. He called you to glorify you. He didn't call you to shame you. He called you to exhort you. Are you listening to me? <laughs> you can trust this man. You can. Hallelujah. So what am I trying to say? Look at the last verse. 
lover with your rev. Every, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for what? My glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him for what? For my glory. So you are made for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Did that help anybody tonight? We are adopted sons. We have to understand that. Our adoption is coming to the place where God is making a covenant with us. And he's saying, hey, listen to me. I am your father. Is that okay? I am your father. I'm not just one God floating up in the sky that you don't have to know. Or you don't know. Or you don't have any relationship with. I am your father. And even if there is a problem you are passing through, just get this in the back of your mind. I am right there with you. That problem is not going to overswallow you. Any headache you are passing through now will dissolve. Because God is your father. And he's called you to himself for his glory. Again I repeat, he didn't call you to put you to shame. He didn't call you to embarrass you. Therefore, he will not allow anything to embarrass you. Are you listening to me? So whatever situation you're passing through, be rest assured, God is going to get you out of it. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.